episode 15 of Religious Sanity here with Pastor Andrew. Yes, and uh, I, I thought that we can chat a little uh, about what we do here at Rutgers and uh, how we do it maybe slightly differently than people might expect. And I thought this time, uh, let us do a small episode of Bible class. Oh, and nice. I have here Bible for you, Peter. Okay. And I, I want you to read this story about uh, the demoniac of uh, Gerasa. Mark 5. Mark 5. Uh, starting from the beginning and reading like uh, that whole section. Okay. Or you, we, we can start and then we can. Is this what jump. happens in Bible class? People read. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. We will, well, because of course, Bible class is about the Bible, and first thing is to actually read, read it. So, read it. yeah, 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 yeah. What you have to do. Maybe I'll interrupt you, and we can jump or whatever, because this is uh, actually one of those longer stories because it has like inserted part into it, or uh -huh. it's like. Uh, there is a lot of interesting stuff happening there, uh, textually, okay. uh, like uh, or editorially, because Mark is clearly merging there two different traditions of the same story. But uh, we, we would not go there. But uh, yeah, so if you can read uh, for us, and then uh, we can have a discussion. Mark chapter five. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in the right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Yes, this is that uh, famous uh, healing story of a uh, demoniac uh, possessed by uh, legion. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, there are different uh, layers. Uh, 
you, you can recognize that there is this insertion uh, into that rather simple story of uh, healing, but at the same time, uh, in its current form, it's it's quite interesting and illustrative. Uh, uh, you see here that self-destructive, uh, self-harming uh, nature of that demonism. And uh, then there is this political connection with Legion, because uh, you need to understand that it was the name of the occupying army. Mm. Uh, Roman legions were there. Um, of course, here we are in uh, non-Jewish uh, territory. Uh, you have swines there, which would not be uh, mm. possible in, in proper Jewish uh, region. But uh, I think that we can bring into it uh, something of our today's experience. Uh, and that's what we are trying in the Bible class. Um, so um, to, to recognize that this is not only a story of, of a healing of one person, but this has much broader uh, frame uh, to it, uh, definitely in the time when it was written. And uh, if we interpret that these days, we need to pay attention to it. I've just mentioned uh, that uh, that Legion is associated with uh, with political power or occupying power. I can start interpreting it uh, from my own personal experience. I, I was born uh, in uh, uh, communist Czechoslovakia. And shortly after I was born, the, the land got occupied by Russian army in uh, 1968, in, in summer. And uh, growing up, uh, I, um, be, I witnessed I, and could not unnotice the presence of Russian army to the point that they were demonstrating their presence. Mm. Uh, they would have, uh, of course, military bases. And from time to time, especially when people went for summer holidays or were returning from summer holidays, they made a point of actually moving uh, their units from one barracks to another barracks, uh, from one basis to another basis, creating kind of uh, transportation havoc uh, and, and so on, uh, so that people would be reminded of their presence uh, in the land. Uh, a clear example of uh, demonstration of power. Mm. And I always felt this story was bringing hope to us. Mm because uh, it shows destructive powers of that occupying army and its limits. Mm. Uh, just to replace uh, a legion name with a modern equivalent, mm -hmm. say, uh, or that modern equivalent before the collapse of communism. Now we are celebrating 30 years. So Sovietskaya Armia, the Russian army, or Soviet army, 
uh, replace that for that uh, mm -hmm. uh, for for that name of legion, uh, and and uh, you can immediately realize that what kind of uh, political punch mm -hmm. it has. Mm -hmm. Of course, that could not under communism be preached from pulpits. Right. But it can be hinted or we can figure it out, including because we are many. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, occupying an army is always manifold uh, and more present than necessary. Mm -hmm. As I said, that they demonstrated their presence and power from time to time. <clears throat> So that would be my experience. Thankfully, it is now 30 years past. But, uh, and thankfully, it did not end in any major conflagration or anything of that kind. Uh, collapse of communism truly was a collapse uh, and not any uh, civil war or anything of that kind, uh, thankfully. And partly thanks to the leaders uh, like Gorbachev or Shevardnadze who uh, led it this peaceful way. But uh, we have even closer and convoluted and very complex uh, situation in our recent history. Uh, so instead of uh, uh, that, that the land of Gennesarenes uh, just put there the land of uh, land of Afghan people, mm -hmm. and you can start recognizing um, recognizing what it might be about this story, or how to interpret it in these days, uh, because they are fiercely independent. They fought uh, British. They fought Russians. They are fighting Americans now. Uh, they are living in caves or partly yeah. destroyed houses. The, you can easily say they are uh, living in, um, uh, in, in tombs, like it is in this story. Uh, there is definitely self-destructive dimension of all of that conflict there because very often uh, the most who suffer are not those occupying armies, not even those who are self-describing as freedom fighters or mujahideens or, and so on and so forth, but civilian population. And um, so, you know, that is uh, like the context in which uh, we can see it. And Jesus coming into the middle of it and, and trying to bring the peace mm -hmm. and uh, deal with these deeply rooted demons. And of course, the first step is really, uh, um, you know, getting that, uh, those legions out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what about that aspect of it? Just the idea of it being a kind of possession uh -huh, uh -huh. that can be removed. 
uh, that 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 is really what what brings hope. Uh, of course, here it can be easily, you, you know, like modeled on on a real situation. I'm not saying that it is not. Uh, you know, if you are living in an occupied uh, land, there are definitely mentally, we would say, disturbed, but also sensitive people mm-hmm. who can absorb the tensions of the society and uh, almost like impersonate those uh, in reality. And I think that that is what is happening here, that this uh, this demoniac is sort of like an, almost like a prophetic figure impersonating the inner conflict in that society. Mm. You know that in in their understanding, uh, demons could be expelled but they still existed. Mm. Uh, and, so they uh, need like a dwelling place? They need like yes, a yeah, place and to the, live. There, there, there is even a saying, you know, in New Testament, Jesus is saying, so that when demon is cast out, uh, the demon roams around looking and when uh, sees an uh, empty person, you, you know, mm. uh, or clean person would go and like break in and mm-hmm. and make it to home inside of that person again. So that was their theory of of how demonism worked. And over here we have an example of actually getting completely rid of them in, in within the logic of ancient religion. Mm-hmm. This is the way of getting rid of them, sending them into an unclean animals, and then those animals uh, going to the bottom of the sea, you know, or something like that. And that would be the equivalent of really uh, sequestering them or catching them in in a place from which they cannot escape. Of course, behind it is an observation that regular pigs would are very good swimmers mm-hmm. but simply these pigs uh, possessed by unclean spirits are are similarly self-destructive mm-hmm. so that is uh, also like a warning for us you know by sending our soldiers all over the world to to fight different wars if they return that that this self-destructiveness is still within them. Mm. They are bringing it back. Mm -hmm. And that is a danger. And we see it all the time uh, with with soldiers returning. You know, they are injured, psychologically and psychiatrically injured, many of them. You know, and, and it is a serious problem. You know, many of them then end up on streets because we don't have well-functioning and uh, psychiatric care for veterans or for anyone, yeah. frankly, uh, here yeah. in, in as developed nation and society as we are, this is very lacking psychiatric care. But it, it goes further, you know, and, and uh, as a pastor, I, I had in my church in America, uh, 
several uh, Vietnam veterans. And decades later, I was surprised how injured mm -hmm. they were by that experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, that was something I never met in Europe. You know, there, there were people injured by Nazi occupation and by collaboration with communists, say, you know, and or with Nazi uh, and and people families uh, hard hit by that. And and I met with the, my teacher of English was a uh, concentration camp extermination camp survivor uh, with a uh, number tattooed uh, on on her forehead. So that, that was my experience, uh, but coming here and seeing veterans injured and not well taken care of, mm -hmm. that was something I was unprepared. And, and just seeing it, uh, it, it gave me some substantial thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we care? And I'm not now, you know, that uh, jingoistic, patriotic, uh, kind of glorifying our mm -hmm. veterans. Uh, I see it more deeply. So here, here we are with this story and, and you see how uh, accurately can speak to us in, in our current context. Mm -hmm. uh, and how important is, is that, do you think, that, that, that we relate these stories from the Bible to our current time, and we and we we try to make that connection like that, rather than just reading them as stories from some other time. <laughs> because if they are just stories from some other time, then uh, you, you you know uh, it's it's like a fairy 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 tale story yeah. or something like that and even fairy tale stories have very very important lessons for us to to teach us you know yeah. uh, but uh, the novels why do people write and why do people read novels because those stories uh, impacted the writers and the writers want to impact uh, uh, current listeners uh, with uh, biblical stories, I think we go several steps further and deeper because those are stories which were recognized as such by many, many generations, uh, much older than most of the novels available to us. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is that the institutions of church uh, in that good sense, uh, now I speak about it, and, and many theologians and, and people of faith gave it the thoughts and were thinking about it. And uh, I, I think that there are still uh, dimensions of it to be discovered. And uh, using it as, as, as our tools for self-understanding because that was how they were used by all those generations before us and, and who are also helping us by their earlier attempts for uh, interpretation and understanding to do it again and again. And here I think that uh, really being sensitive to what is happening around us and being fully informed or about the context 
of those biblical stories I, uh, can be an ideal meeting point mm -hmm. for informing us uh, in our lives today. And I, I don't know, it, it definitely, when I started to think about this story in this context of occupying army and how it, how it impacts or harms those people who are occupied, how destructive it is, but also how destructive it is even for those occupiers. Mm as we see it on those swines who normally yes. would swim and they are they cannot swim and they sink to the bottom of the sea. And that is kind of at the same time destruction of destructive powers. You know, for us to figure out how to really relieve those who are returning, say from Afghanistan, from Iraq and, and many other places, how to relieve them of those destructive powers, how to find out how to get it under control, because otherwise it'll continue. Mm -hmm. you, you know, that the harm continues otherwise. And, and it is important to do something about it. And, and again, you know, the examples from my own pastoral experience with uh, now you know, retiring or beyond retirements, uh, Vietnam veterans, and then, you know, Presbyterian members, progressives, uh, still harmed and, and, mm -hmm. and dealing with it, and, and me trying to help them, and, and they trying to help themselves by, uh, you know, journal writing or memoir writing and kind of get it out from them, share it with their family at least, so, so that they can show why they became after that experience a pacifist. You know, I, I think that uh, Veterans for Peace, for instance, might be the, the most clear example of uh, spiritual way of dealing with those demons yeah. uh, we are so often bringing and then celebration of in, uh, intercultural experiences because that's the other part that the returning soldiers are very often bringing back uh, their cultural experiences and religious experiences it's very interesting to observe that uh, anthropologically and I think that it this is going it's already happening in in with our soldiers returning say from Muslim countries and it'll be more so being prepared for it and and actually to embrace it and celebrate it mm -hmm. uh, you know their their understanding of uh, the Muslim world in a positive way, you know, mm -hmm. not in a prejudiced way. And I think that many are bringing that back. So one thing is helping them and also helping them so that they will help us mm -hmm. because they, they truly were there. They were very often exposed uh, and they absorbed uh, 
the, the local culture and, and so on. So, um, yes, that's, that's the reading of one uh, miraculous story. Uh, rationalists try to take miraculous stories out of the Bible. Yeah, you know, or cut them off, uh, leaving just Jesus's teaching. But yeah. here you have Jesus's teaching. Uh, I met up in the in the miraculous. Yeah, in, in, in it, you, you know. And I'm not saying that there might not be, as I I mentioned earlier, that there might not be um, core story. And you, you know, as I mentioned, uh, mentally disturbed people, you know, or challenged people, they are very often like sponges. They are not stupid. People don't, don't think that they are stupid, you know. Their way of thinking might be altered by their illness or something like that, but they see, absorb, just exactly like we do. They may be processed differently, but even in their different processing power, might be this kind of prophetic revelation like we have with this demoniac uh, possessed by a legion. And uh, that is something for us to, to pay attention to. To help them, that's one thing. And the other thing is to help them help us mm. for the broader understanding. And that immediately gives them dignity mm. and, uh, and proper attention. It's not paternalistic. And that is what I, I really like, say, on this particular story. So this is the way we are and trying to do the Bible classes somehow say, differently. This is, and this is the... the the brand of religious sanity that you get when you come to this Bible study that you... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not saying that always we would do this. Right. You know, in a Bible class, we would also do what I mentioned and we never really went into, you know, like uh, looking nitty-gritty into the line text line, and yeah. no, no, partly, you know, and yeah. understanding the terminology and, yeah. and looking sometimes even at back different translations too. Different translations or, or going all the way to Greek text and, yeah. and seeing different versions of Greek text because, you know, that's uh, just an impression that we have in front of us one Greek text. No, there are several manuscripts and they are quite different. You know, right. you'll be surprised even in this one story you know, how different manuscripts can differ uh, in small ways, but sometimes substantial ways mm -hmm. as well. Uh, also going into uh, text critical uh, and beyond, edition critical, like uh, mm -hmm. seeing that uh, Mark is an editor who is collapsing two versions of the story mm -hmm. into one. Mm. You know, I think that there was originally the, the healing of a demoniac who stayed in, uh, uh, in graves. And then there is this story about mm -hmm. a legion mm -hmm. and, and the swine. Mm -hmm. You know, and these they two combine are, are combined together. Oh. There might be originally two versions of one story, mm -hmm. but in its current form and shape in Gospel of Mark, you can see that there were two merged together. Mm -hmm. uh, like inserted in the center. Mm -hmm. 
So we will do these kind of things as well. But in the end, we also want to see how what is the intersection of, yeah. of the text with our current situation, with our lives these days, with our politics, geopolitics, society, our individual lives, uh, our families. You know, this yeah. is not about a family, but there are stories about families, of course, uh, and so on. Our relationships yes. in a church or outside of the church. And, and so on. So that's what we do. Uh, I think that it's like many other Bible classes, but somehow more sane, a, a little different, <laughs> you, you know, uh, by, yes. by, by doing it slightly differently and bringing around these kind of thoughts. And uh, like we did this in our Bible class uh, some time ago, I am telling it here. Yeah partly from my own experience, but behind it is also our discussion with those who participate. So yeah. I am bringing here some uh, insights right. of those who learned. attend. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I'm thankful for bringing yes. forward by those other members of our Bible class. And what if people wanted more information? Or should they just go to the website? Uh, like, for instance, if they really do want to come to this class. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or on uh, on our Facebook, they can. We occasionally advertise that. But it's Thursday evening. Just come down. Thursday evening in Radgast Church 6:30? at 6 o'clock. Uh, 6 o'clock? Six o'clock, we start slow, uh, we usually by 6.30, nice we are already discussing very, very casual. That's very cool. Well, thank you for bringing uh, a, a, a private, Bible class. Uh, private class for me and, yeah, uh, and yeah. for our listeners. That's really cool. Yeah. And I thought that we, we can do in our religiosanity different things. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time.